0: Hello and welcome to Postgres FM episode 75. This is a weekly show about all things Postgres. Uh, I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hello Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, constraints. Yeah, and specifically the six DDL constraints that Postgres supports. Yeah, all of them. We're back to basics. I love this kind of thing. So nice choice. Thank you. Ah, it was my choice. When I'm writing
1: in this Postgres Marathon series of how-tos and uh, was considering how to create uh, various constraints without downtime. Already covered checks and foreign keys and, and something else. Uh, saying this, uh, f- those who follow me closely now understand wh- when exactly we record this podcast, right? Okay, uh, because I, I write these this, this how-tos every day. So let about constraints in the same order as documentation describes them. and But uh, also let's talk about practical complications when you have a, lo- a lot of data and a lot of TPS as usual, right? Because documentation actually
0: doesn't cover these topics. Yeah. Another thing I don't think the documentation covers is why do we have constraints? I, I guess it's so obvious, but I think it's worth like mentioning that without these would be in real trouble database-wise, wouldn't we?
1: Well, yes. Yeah, so so constraints, so we have schema, right? And without schema, it's not good to live without schema. So <laughs> the, no, 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 let's say no to no SQL in general. Like maybe in some cases it's fine, but, but if it's financial data and so on, you, you need structure to ensure that data is, has good quality and constraints is the next step. Uh, so you have schema. So you define column names, data types. And yep. constraints is, is addition to all this to ensure even better quality of data. For example, you say no one can create more than two rows with the same value in this column. For example, email, and this is interesting situation because usually people forget about case sensitivity, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, of t- of text or varchar, and then you can you, you say if there is a row in this table referencing, like, for example, user ID means that such user should exist. Uh, and so on and so on. So uh, it's about it's all about data quality but also sometimes for uh, foreign key constraints. Uh, it also provides some automation I would say limited if you if you uh, li- automation for how to handle for example deletes should yeah. uh, depending rows in the pending table should they be deleted or not? Yeah if if like the main row is deleted but this should be used with care if you have million rows depending uh, in the del- deleting one row might take a lot of time and this is also not good right
0: mm-hmm. Yeah I feel like we've already dived into a few specifics around unique constraints and foreign key constraints there but let's go yeah as you, I think you're right I think the postgres documentation does cover them in a really good order and it starts with check constraints which uh, super flexible user-defined constraints, almost, I'd say. Is that a fair description where we can we can choose? I think it describes them as a Boolean condition. So it's a check that uh, returns true or false for each row that's inserted or updated. Um, yeah, check constraint is usually
1: very, how to say, un- underappreciated, right? Mm, it's yeah. it's un- underused, in my opinion. And unfortunately, there you can define only some expression related to this table. You cannot um, involve different tables and subqueries and so on, but it's, so it limits the expression, expressional power of it.
0: Right? Yeah. But, so we can, we can define it. A, like a, we can have a check constraint on a column, or we can have it on a sit on multiple columns. Within multiple the table. columns are,
1: is okay. You can say, yeah. for example, I don't know, like some of these two columns should be positive or something, some, yeah. some crazy stuff. It's possible. Definitely. And and this is good I, I, mean, I mean for example if you say if you want to say this this is integer but it'll, should it should always be odd or even or something like that right you just define the constraint that will be, if you try to insert something which violates this constraint you will get an error and this is how you can achieve better data quality
0: yeah when you say it's underused or underappreciated what are the kind of typical cases you see for people uh, a typical cases, people rely on
1: ORM and perform mm-hmm. all, all, all checks. On, on So, usual, like, three parts of architecture, front-end, back-end, and database, usually people start with front-end when they realize. And this is fair because you should check a lot of stuff, yeah. including all constraints should be checked on front to minimize feedback loop. Users yeah. should quickly see that something is not wrong, ideally before they, like, make action, for example, filling some form, I would prefer seeing uh, constraint violated and explanation how to fix it before I press submit. It's not good to press submit, yeah. wait some time and then see, oh, and then have some retries. It's very annoying. So constraint checks on front end makes sense a lot. Mm-hmm. But then people, if they use ORM, they prefer checking it in code because it's more flex- flexible and those who write uh, the logic for Python, Ruby, anything, Java, they, they prefer writing it in, right there because it's their favorite language. But the thing is that if, if a company grows, project grows, and then you, have, you start having uh, different users or applications, for example, someone directly works with data in some good UI, uh, or you have another application written in different code on, or in the same code, but skipping these checks. Implementation of constraints in application code is weak because it's not guaranteed, only database can guarantee it. That's why check constraints or other type of constraints is good to, to have in database because it's the, the safest way to safeguard, right? So you're on the safe side and nobody will violate it unless there is a bug. Sometimes I, I saw some bugs and unique constraint violation happened and it's, it's good that for example, I'm check soon we will have a unique constraint corruption check. Nice. Yeah, but it's different story. So check constraint, you just say expression always should be uh, followed, right? It should mm-hmm. always return true. If it turns false, such insert or such update should be discarded, rollback, yep. right?
0: And what, uh, is it worth us discussing what to do or how to add one? Retro. Let's say you, exactly. you're listening exactly. to the podcast yeah. and uh, you realize yeah. you should have some of these in place, but you don't, oh. and uh, they're on quite large tables. How would you go about adding? Uh, yeah, let,
1: actually, let me finish about this consideration about front-end, back-end, and database oh, yeah. and yeah. Re- relationships between them. I remember uh, in 2004, I implemented... It's called MVC, right? Model view control. A very old architecture, maybe not cool anymore. I don't know. But what I implemented there, I implemented a simple thing. So we define constraints on Postgres and then we at bootstrap of our application, we analyze all constraints and build logic to inject it to to form. And also with digital signature because forms can be, it was long ago, but it's interesting. Forms, uh, front end followed uh, constraints from database. It was cool. I think it's an it's interesting idea. Probably it should be also rediscovered. I don't know. So you just define constraints where they should be defined in database, but then front-end follows exactly the same logic and you don't need to implement it twice because if you implement it twice, you will have bugs, a different logic, right?
0: Yeah, well, and, and I've just realized there's another reason, which is handling concurrent sessions. So you might have a constraint. Let's say you have like a... a An amount of stock of an item, and it needs to not go below zero, or an account balance that needs to not go below zero. If you have concurrent transactions, you need them at the database level to to make sure you don't end up letting a user take out more money than there. Exactly.
1: You you cannot uh, check if such row exists and then uh, then decide make decision on on, outside of database. You need to make decision inside database. Yes. So. But also, I, what I'm talking about is having like main constraints should be in database. But you can mm-hmm. mirror them in, in yeah. fr- back and front end. You can have automation, and it, it's good if somebody who develops ORMs or GraphQL or something, yeah, would nice. would, would, would follow this approach, considering database side constraints as the main one, right? Yeah. So, check constraint is not only very flexible, not super flexible, but quite flexible. But it also has this beautiful option to be created. Um, not in, valid in an online fashion, so to speak. Yeah. Not valid. So you, you say not valid, quite confusing. Uh, yeah, term. Very. Yes. So <laughs> things to remember when you create something not valid, it means that it's already being validated for all new rights. So
0: this is super yeah. confusing part. So it's kind of yeah. not validated on existing data. Yes, That's how is yes. the yeah?
1: So you cannot create not valid constraint and and then insert something that violates it. Uh, it, it this write will be will provide error. But uh, what it, what it does is not valid flag when you create check constraint. It just skips long lasting uh, operation of full table scan to check that all existing rows follow this
0: logic of the constraint, which is the default behavior when you add a, yes, a yes, new yes. constraint. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you don't think about it and just try to create a check constraint for existing uh, large table, it will block DDL and DML, everything basically to this table Yeah, and it's not fun. So what you should do if you want to like to do it without partial downtime, with, to yeah. do it in, in online fashion, you create, so three steps, not two, three actually. My how-to yesterday was not full. So first, you create with the not valid flag. Mm-hmm. Second, you understanding that all new rights already being verified automatically by Postgres. You yourself care about existing rows. You check existing rows are okay with this constraint. Just with simple selects. And if you found ah. some, fi- find some rows that don't, don't, that violate it. You probably want to delete them or update them to adjust the values depending on your application logic or on your logic, right? And then only then the third step, uh, alter table, validate constraint, which will scan whole table, but this step won't acquire locks that would block your DML. Mm-hmm. It, it will block only
0: DDL, but hopefully you don't alter during this. You
1: don't issue any authors.
0: Right. That middle step's nice, and I, you can even do it in batches, I guess, if you if you want or need to. But this, I guess y- it shouldn't be a big y- deal. Yeah, depending. But this
1: uh, maybe whole tables can also find because uh, it's just select, right? True. Well, it's if you true. update, yes, in batches. If you found uh, many millions of rows that way. Oh goodness! It. But this is it, it depends. But this uh, three step approach is very like universal, uh, zero
0: downtime approach, and it's great. Well, what's the downside of jumping straight to step three? Cause you're, that's kind you're kind of doing that. If you think your data's fine, I guess it is it in the real world, you're most more than jump. likely got some jump. Uh, if you want, if you
1: just uh, you need to accept this risk and then that's it. Of yeah. course. If you
0: are 100% sure
1: st- step, two is optional, let's mm-hmm. say. But, uh, also as usual, if you issue alter with not valid, you also need low uh, lock timeout and retries. Because yeah. it's still, nice. you still need to change uh, metadata of the table. And if, for example, Autovacuum running in transaction ID around prevention mode processing your table, you won't be able to acquire lock. And without uh, low lock timeout and retry logic, you, you will start waiting. And uh, again, in this case, you will block everyone. Even yeah. if it's not valid, it's not good. So, uh, retries are needed and lo- like graceful alter needed, right? I wish uh, there there was such option like graceful. And uh, you say like how many retries and how low log timeout for particular operation should be.
0: That would be a nice, time. it would be a nice word. Like instead of concurrently, it could be like gracefully alter yeah, table gracefully. Working concurrently, something like that, because yeah, I think yeah. uh,
1: like ninety-nine percent don't think about it until they have many thousand TPS, and then they they realize. So basic operation, it was w- always working fine. Sometimes probably not, but people like like you know, okay, we had a, an issue lasting thirty seconds. Something was not right, but it's okay. And then we don't understand why, right? I mean, you, you blocked everyone dealing with this table for thirty seconds, for example, but. Kind of fine. And we live with it until it starts w- annoying you to, too much. And then you realize that you need a low lock timeout and retries to be. I mean, it, it requires an effort, unfortunately, to have this. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're small, you don't, you don't care. But like, I wish it would be easier, like something like similar to create index concurrently or refresh, mutualize you concurrently. Right. So also when you validate, I think if, if, for example, DDL like kind of create index concurrently is happening or to vacuum again processing, you won't be able to acquire this lock. So you need also to be careful. But mm. in general, if there you start waiting, it's kind of fine. It just makes your operation longer, but at least no, no DML uh, transactions, uh, performing DML operations uh, uh, are behind you in line, right? So, I mean, this is also an issue with this final step, but it's not so harmful. As it in the first step, when you, when you need to install, quickly inject this constraint with not valid flag. Yeah, so I think we covered it, right? So, let's, let's, so. Move, let's move on. Let's move on. The next one in the documentation. I, I think not, this should be hidden behind some, I don't know, concurrently or gracefully. or, or Would something. be awesome. Um,
0: yeah. The next one in the documentation is not null constraint, uh, which right. the documentation points out. Is a It's probably one of the ones people are most familiar with seeing in schema definitions. Um, but it's just a special case of a check constraint, which I hadn't thought of before.
1: Right. But unfortunately, you cannot... Well, you can already, but if you have check constraint not null, saying this column is not null. Like, logically, it's the same as the uh, standard not null. Mm-hmm. Same. But primary key needs the, sec- the letter right? It cannot use but it can. Since Postgres 12, like oh, nice. if, if you don't have not null constraint and you define primary key or redefine it, it, it will try to Im- implicitly create not null constraint. But since Postgres 12, when you create not null constraint and you already have checked is not null. It will just reuse it skipping nice. full table scan. Which nice. is a very good optimization. So you just create check constraint in this like three phase or two two phase approach as we just uh, discussed. And then you can uh, rely on it uh, when you're creating primary key, for example. Mm-hmm. Or you can define uh, not null construct ex- explicitly if you need it for primary key or any other, I don't know, maybe your application wants uh, regular not null. Relying on the existing check is not null. And then you can drop check, and, and not null is still there, and you skipped this unfortunate uh, full table scan. While it's like I'm, I'm telling this, because not null, creation of not null itself... Postgres doesn't support three-step or two-step approach. If you want to create not null right away on existing table, existing column, it will need to scan whole table. So we
0: we don't have not null, not valid. Yeah.
1: So yeah, this is like uh, some nuances uh, Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. Uh, Generally, uh, my recommendation is to think more about check constraints. This is why I say they are underappreciated. They are good and they you see you They here. They support uh, not now constraint creation but since post 12, not before. But it means all currently supported Postgres version. Yeah, true. 12, 12 is already the oldest. Let's move right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Unique constraint. Uh, unique constraint. This is interesting. I don't know how much, uh, how much detail we should cover here. You, yeah before our recording uh, we discussed the case i discovered in 2017 and, and then still so in postgres 16 so unique constraint physically it relies on unique index but it's a kind of implementation detail you can say i want a unique constraint and postgres will create unique index implicitly and uh, it's good that it can be done concurrently of course right because indexes can be can be created concurrently which is good that's it basically you create constraint but I think you can say using, right? Create, constraint, uh, create unique constraint using some index if the index already exists or, or what? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember in detail, but what why. I do know is that although unique constraint relies on index, unique index, it's not absolutely the same. So for Logically, again, it should be kind of the same, right? But you can have index without constraint, not vice versa. You cannot have unique constraint without unique index because Postgres needs unique index to support uh, validation checks, right? So imagine we created unique index, but we haven't created unique constraint. One place where you can see constraint is needed is uh, insert on conflict, right? If I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So on conflict requires constraint to be present. And if you say you have a conflict, like, for example, do nothing, you cannot, if you have index without constraint, you cannot say insert blah, blah, on conflict on this constraint, because constraint does not exist. It will tell you explicitly constraint does not exist. But at the same time, uh, Postgres has interesting, like, I think it's logical bug, Uh, still not fixed. uh, And I reported it in 2017, and today I checked in Postgres 16. It has it still. If you try to insert multiple errors, it will explicitly say that constraint, and it will use index name, violated. So in one case, it says there is no such constraint. In another case, it says this constraint exactly with its name is violated. Okay. So inconsistency. I think it's just a bug that needs to be fixed, and, and that's it.
0: That's funny. I'll link up the bug report as well.
1: Yeah, but honestly, from user perspective, I I think it would be good to stop thinking about unique constraints and unique indexes as something like very different. Uh, I Hmm. cannot imagine the case when we uh, like, they they should be, they should go together. I think I cannot imagine like we have unique index, but why don't we have unique constraints in this case? Uh, I think uh, they should go together all the time. That's it. It makes sense. In this case, there would not be any. Uh, inconsistencies if constraint if uh, when i create unique constraint the in, unique index is created implicitly okay but why not not vice versa when i create unique index why postgres doesn't create unique constraint i have no answer for this
0: you can't create a unique constraint not valid as well can you so there's no difference no, there I, I don't think so no um the one thing they have at ad- the like a change in recent always. versions yeah huh? as always maybe
1: as always maybe i'm wrong <laughs> I think I'm not
0: wrong here. I'm checking. I don't think so. The one thing that has changed with these in the last couple of years is in Postgres 15, we got this nulls not distinct option, which I still don't, I'd love to hear from people that have good use cases for these, uh, but it allows you to specify that you can only allow a single null value rather than multiple null values.
1: You know, now it's a, the biggest problem in SQL model, null, right? We discussed it. We, had, we, had we have we have whole episode on it, right? Yeah. But why I think people might want null as like, according to this uh, how is called trinary logic, tri- tri- so three value logic, mm-hmm. uh, true, false, unknown, right? According to this logic, uh, null means unknown, and you can comparing one unknown to another unknown, you cannot conclude they are the same. They, you always say they are not the same. So you they always the comparison should always yield to unknown. So basically to another null. mixing Nulls and unknown is another topic. And it, this means that uh, unique index, unlike primary key, of course, unique constraint unlike unique key. Let's, let's also introduce term unique key because the condition doesn't, doesn't follow this term unique key unlike primary key allows nulls in, in the column or in multiple columns, if it's multi-column index or constraint, mm-hmm. but since they are not like, we don't know if they are the same or not, we can allow multiple nodes. But historically, exactly due because because of the, the problems with manipulation of large tables and so on. For example, before Postgres 11, we had, if we, for example, add a new column and we want default, yeah, default ooh, it's yeah. like full table rewrite. We cannot do it. It, yeah. it was fixed in Postgres 11, not fixed, a great feature. That you can define like virtual default, right? But we say default, uh, we cannot say default. Uh, I don't want full tablet, right? I don't hold like, so I, I say, okay, I will consider null as false. Just in my application. All right. So before Postgres 11, yeah. Now will be my, my false and true will be my true. In this case, I, I'm breaking. Theory concepts here, like null should not be considered as false. It's not right, but just I don't want to this operation to be so such nightmare. Like I have billion rows. Okay, my, null will be my false, and this leads me to the idea I want to, to be like one value in index. You, that's why, right? So I, I to avoid the long uh, heavy operations, I I give null a special meaning, not as it was uh, supposed to have. This is practice. It's not theory, right? Yeah, this is, yeah. this is usual. Like in many industries, uh, theory was, was very good. We developed great concepts and then you go like uh, to construction, for example. Oh, this is how it's used. We didn't expect this is how nulls are used, right? So some people use nulls given special meaning and they, they consider it as normal value. In this case, they might want, uh, index or constraint. To say this is there should be only one row. If not, this is my. But maybe there are many other understandings. But this is what I have from my
0: practice. Cool. In fact, you mentioned in passing there one other important thing about unique constraints is that they can be defined across multiple columns in the table as well. It can be s- single columns really common, but uh, you can do it across multiple as well. Okay. Should right. we move on?
1: Primary yeah, let's key do it.
0: being yeah. special case again. Uh, primary key.
1: Okay. So, not null plus unique constraint, basically. This, this pair gives you primary key, but there can be only one primary key. That's the big one. So, I think we already covered. You need, uh, you need not null. For not null, you probably need uh, implicitly or explicitly. You can do it yourself or just rely on it when, when primary key is redefined for existing large table, right? What, like for small tables, no problem. Also, by the way, just this morning we had a, a discussion, for example, creating this concurrently, should we use it for new tables? In my opinion, no, because creating this concurrently or these multi-step operations, in this case, you you lose the good, beautiful uh, property Postgres has, transactional DDL and ability to pack everything into single transaction. If you just define the table, follow normal approach, don't care about this zero downtime t- stuff and you will have single transaction right
0: all or nothing yep. this is same good. for tiny uh, tables anything like yeah.
1: play- oh, well yeah maybe like less than 10000 rows you don't, you don't care about uh, it takes like 100 milliseconds yeah let's go you have single step it's atomic great but if you have large tables yeah you need to redefine primary key of and <laughs> integer four to integer eight for example that's the big
0: one yeah yeah
1: my team and i implemented all the types of this uh, operation and we helped multiple companies a few billion dollar multi billion dollar companies uh, public companies we helped them to convert integer four to integer eight i know a lot of interesting stuff around it but in general you you just need like, like not now and we discussed how there is also tricks if you are Postgres 11 trick like default minus one, not null, you can r- define right away virtually, right? You don't need even check constraint. But since Postgres 12, we rely on check constraint, but we, we remember primary key needs actual, not null. And we also create unique index. And when we create primary key, we say using this index. This allows us to put primary key creation as final step into a transaction, which will probably swap something, right? Uh, yeah. Rename columns as well. And there, of course, you also need to think about local acquisition, retries, log timeout, like all this stuff. And it's, of course, it, if you have many, 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 I don't know, like gigabytes, dozens, hundreds, maybe terabytes, and a lot of TPS, you need to engineer this carefully, I mean.
0: This is probably the most involved of all the things we're talking about, and I think it's probably too big to cover today. But there is a really good yeah. talk by Robert Treat that I saw that covers this in about half an hour in depth for people that actually have to do this kinds of thing. I'm you sure should... it's
1: not possible to cover everything in half an hour because there are probably several sure methods. Well. They have pros and cons, and there are many, many nuances. For example, foreign keys. So if you redefine primary key, you need to deal with foreign key redefinition. And it's also interesting. And auto-vacuum running in transaction wraparound mode can block you. And also, uh, if you decide to mark a foreign key as not valid, and then you realize it blocks writes, <laughs> <laughs> or you just forgot to drop old foreign key and new rows after switch. Uh,
0: so a lot of mistakes, possible. Yeah, please use uh, big ints or integer eights in your new tables. For, right for away, yes. or
1: or UID version
0: 7, 8 timestamp-based. Yeah. Time or UUIDs. Yeah, cool. Foreign keys, we, or actually, one last thing: we uh, is it worth discussing? Like multiple, co- you can have multiple column primary keys. I guess that's obvious from the multiple column unique ones as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah foreign keys.
1: Uh, I, I don't think it's something somewhat uh-huh. different. Yeah, so just you need to have not null on, on each column participating in in primary key definition. That's it. Unlike cool. unique keys, of course. So foreign keys involve multiple t- two tables and creation of foreign key requires s- several locks to be acquired on both sides fortunately ah, and full table scan of both tables to ensure that values in the referencing table have values that are present in the referenced table right so in this case if you just don't care and uh, like brute force approach like defining documentation just create it as a well you have an issue because you will you are going to block probably not i think uh, lock level there is not so bad in, uh, than in, in, the, in previous cases we discussed check constraints but you are going to block ddl for sure probably dml won't be blocked or will be blocked yeah probably it will be blocked as well i'm, I'm not, i don't remember details here although i, I wrote it a f- few hours ago check out my my how to I, I specified all the logs and what they you're you going to block. But in general, you should care about it as well. And, and generally under load, you shouldn't want to create foreign key. In one step, you need again, three steps. First, not creation with not valid with retries and low timeout. Then you need to check again, again, like like with checks. Postgres will, will start checking new uh, writes that uh, inserted and updated rows, or deleted in this case as well, because if you... If you Very delete, important, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you need an index, but it's another story. So it will start checking uh, to validate this constraint for new writes, but uh, for existing rows, uh, we're still not, not sure. So optional st- step two is to validate and fix if you f- see problems, potential uh, violation, right? And then third step, you say alter validate constraint. Again, understanding that ongoing index creation or recreation or vacuum can block you. Right. So yeah, also three steps. I explained in detail in like in my latest, uh, marathon post. So what else to say here? Uh, foreign keys can be marked as ha- house gold deferred right uh, am, am i like deferred constraints right so w- when you have a uh, complex transaction you might want foreign keys to be checked at commit time later not at, at each statement time later and in this case uh i i don't remember exa- again details some s- several years ago we had an issue we we worked with miro and had isu- had issue with uh, using pgd pack to fight bloat and uh, they they use deferred constraints. So there is an article about it, how to use PGD pack if you have uh, deferred uh, constraints. Uh, and uh, oh, it nice. explains a lot of details I will provide, Nick. So M- Miro Engineering wrote it a few years ago. It was interesting also issue to address. Uh, what else? I think that's it.
0: I think on yeah. delete cascade is worth mentioning. Like you can define at the point of yeah. constraint creation what you want to happen if like if you have a i think a a really common example is a table of blogs and a table of blog posts if you delete the blog do you want the blog posts to be deleted like what what do you want to happen in those cases and that's the case where i think it's really important to mention that whilst with when we define a primary key we get an index foreign keys Defined on one table, their referencing column is not necessarily. We don't check that it's indexed as well. In fact, there are, I've even read a blog post saying you shouldn't always index that column. But I I think the cases that you should yeah. far outweigh the cases where you shouldn't. It is worth checking you do have indexes on that those so that those deletes on cascade are efficient.
1: Right, I, I I always. Try to avoid using this option, but I see people in quite large databases under a large load use this uh, deletion propagation or update propagation logic. But uh, so two two things here. You're right about uh, indexes and uh, Postgres DBA tool toolkit I have and Postgres Checkup tool. They have reports for to find nice like. You have, you cases. have foreign key, there is mm-hmm. index, primary key on one side. You don't have index on the other side. So when you will need to do, de- to, uh, you, you probably don't need delete every day, but w- at some point, if you have it, it will be a sequential scan. Very bad, very slow. But this is only one thing. What if uh, you're deleting a blog which has million posts? I don't like it. I don't like this, like this propagation with uh, like, if we are, we, we, we know that only low volumes, low number of rows will be automatically deleted. It's yeah. okay. But if it's unpredictable number of rows, I would prefer having my own logic with asynchronous propagation of change with some batches and so on. So Makes sense. I, yeah, yeah. But I see people use it at
0: quite large scale. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. I think we're down to the last one. Uh, we made it to exclusion constraints. Right, I always confused it exclusion constraints with constraint exclusion,
1: which is, was related to to partitioning. But exclusion constraints is for like time ranges, like intervals, and you want to define, you want to say my intervals should not overlap. So it's kind of advanced uniqueness, right? Maybe not uniqueness, but it's like for special data for gist sp indexes and so on. So you define, I say. I'm building some schedule. I, I cannot allow overlapping, or I, I'm like describing some, I don't know, like 3D world, and I have various shapes, and I w- don't want them to be overlapped. In this case, just and its variation R three will support this constraint and ensure that no like no balls, for example, or no cubes or something overlap in in my yeah. space. So Postgres supports this kind of thing which is good, but it's quite narrow for me. I don't see it uh, often.
0: Yeah, very cool. I've heard, I think I've seen it being used in examples where people are designing room booking apps or things like that, but no, not used it myself. Uh, in fact, it's yeah, a time, tiny time little and, documentation entry, isn't it? So it's time, time and space, yes. But uh, yeah, documentation is very brief here.
1: Yeah. I honestly don't have anything to say. It's like, it's, it's supported by some index, I guess. Right. So an index, you create index, you create with concurrently or usually if you want zero downtime approach, I'm not sure if exclusion constraint can be created based on an existing index. It should
0: be possible. I have no idea. So it says, yeah, good point. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. Yeah but
1: in, in general as as we like I think we covered pretty well how like six types of constraints at least five types of constraints we covered and yeah. how how to create all of them in, without downtime just the final like final uh, part let's think how to drop them well hmm. i th- i think dropping is straightforward usually yeah if yeah if it's uh, like unique constraint uh, which is based on index you probably just drop an index con- with concurrently, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Others, uh, you just drop them, but you need low, t- low lock, t- lock time and retries to be involved because you need like postgres needs to change table metadata. And during this, if it's blocked, it's not good. So again, That's low, really low lock timeout and retries, uh, are going to help here.
0: That's what about it. altering? Like I saw a good blog post by where people took some, one of the, one of the use cases for check constraints is, for example, we, we often say use text in Postgres. It's in the it's in a lot of recommendations to use text and that not be kind of constrained on not, how long. Not varchar,
1: not, var not char. Exactly. Well,
0: yeah. It, w- this strictly
1: speaking is not constrained, right? But uh, it, in broader sense, it's constrained. But it's oh, but you
0: could implement it with constraints.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, and I like it because you control exactly how and when it will be verified, and uh, you know. Again, this is exactly why. Again, check constraints are underappreciated, and I recently I indeed prefer using just text without limits, without not varchar n, but just text. And mm-hmm. then, if I need to limit, I use check constraint. I know how to set it up without downtime. And I know how to change it. If I need to increase or decrease this limit, I know how to do it. Right. And it's good. It's good.
0: But yeah, I think we only lose one. I think we only lose one benefit or like one optimization. I'm not sure if there are, if there is this optimization for check constraints. Let's say we want to relax the constraint from 200 characters to 300 characters. I think in, if you're using Varchar, uh, Postgres will handle that knowing it doesn't have to recheck existing data. Yes, but that's it's, the only downside. If
1: you increase n in in varchar, yeah. it it won't rewrite. And I recently it won't scan even, even because obviously yeah. if you just increase the limit, uh, existing rows already uh, are okay with this rule, yeah. right? So yeah, I agree. And in this ca- in the case of check constraint, I'm not sure if we have any. I don't think so. Yeah. I
0: don't. I've not heard of one. But we can do out the three step process you mentioned. It's just- right. We can, in fact, we can probably add another constraint and then drop the existing, like we. Exactly. Yeah, great. Cool. Thanks so much, Nikolai. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch you next week. Yeah. See you later. Bye.